Welcome to this topical life. Real conversation, real exploration, real life stories. A discussion about life, cause life ain't a vacation. And now, here's your host, Tiffany Murphy. Okay, and welcome to this topical life. Um, if you are new listening to us, welcome to this podcast and to the awesome guests that come on it. Today we have Luann Learman, and um, I'm introducing you her, to you as just a super bright light who would take you in in a second. Um, always eager to ask you what's going on and see how you're doing and. Um, you know, today uh, we, uh, I was thinking, you know, Luann should come on this podcast because she's just a positive person and she just has this way of like about her. And, um, you know, I didn't know what we're going to talk about, but I had some ideas of like some things we could talk about, but, um, lo and behold, Luann comes here and says, guess what? I've had a hard two 2018 and we sit down and bam, here we are. So, Luann, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi. <clears throat> uh, yes, hi, I'm Luann, and I um, have been in Westland for about five years now. And, um, you know, in the beginning, I was just, didn't even know Westland existed on the map. Neither did um, I, until I moved here. Yeah, exactly. Really. Yeah, my husband got a, you know, was working over in Tualatin. He has his own um business with his brothers and they make kitchen cabinets from scratch and so that's what brought us down here and at the time I had a you know two-year-old and a newborn and so I was just trying not to drown (laughs) yes two boys boys. Um, so with that said I was so eager to meet people I didn't know anybody so I was you know definitely putting myself out there going to the parks every day and I met most of my friends at the park (laughs) Tanner Creek Park Willamette Park you name it I've been been to them all um and then fast forward, uh, the couple years after meeting everybody and getting to know the community, um, I started um, finding my niche. I started teaching Chinese um, for our school district. I taught a full year at Sunset Primary as a preschool Chinese teacher. And then um, and then the evenings, weekends, summers, I would teach swimming. Um, so I was coaching swimming on the swim team and then teaching water safety to the little guys, trying to make sure they are not drowning and so yeah I was over at club sport for a while and now I'm over at Stafford Hill so um yes uh uh, go ahead yeah yeah. let me help you out here (laughs) let me help you out here so um I I just wanted like your husband's name's Van and then your boys' names how old are they now and what are their names uh so my older son Zayden Zayden Learman he's a second grader at Willamette and then my younger son Jackson Learman um he's a kindergarten at Willamette. Oh, I didn't realize you were headed in oh, kindergarten. Uh, you yeah. have a whole life opened up for you. Yeah, totally. Okay, I didn't realize this, this was the year. This was the year. This is the year. Okay, well, yeah. yeah. That's why you get to, like, go work out and stuff, kind of, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this is my year. This is her year, guys. <laughs> this is the WAN, man. And she's here. And, um, you know, with that said, this is her year. I like this. Mm-hmm. You know what? This would be a good title because... This is, um, let's start with, um, 2018, you started to feel like what you describe as maybe something inside you, like a heavy darkness maybe started to boil up. 
Yeah. Like, so. how do you describe, like, and you attribute to faith and stuff. So, like, what was your faith up until this point? So, I was, <clears throat> so I was brought up in um, a Buddhist home um, coming from Vietnam back in 1991. Um, I lived in a Buddhist temple for about three years in Vietnam. Um, that's, and so my family would go to the temple, Buddhist mm-hmm. temple every Sunday. And so I grew up with that. Um, but then also Christianity, Jesus and God was introduced to me, um, around age eight or nine years old. Um, I started going to church, um, with my sponsors that sponsored my family from Vietnam. And so that was kind of how that my faith started with, um, with God and Christianity. And so it's been a journey. Um, now I, I just started going to Bible study, um, I would say three years ago. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 let's back up here. Okay. okay. Cause I'm, I'm confused on what country you're at here. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you're in Vietnam. Yes. Buddhist. Then you came over. Okay. Then you had some parental things happen, right? Your dad raised you. So yeah. So, so I was only in Vietnam for, um, four years, give or take. Okay, so you were mostly in America. Yes, yes. Okay, so okay, okay. I, I came over when I was five years old. Okay, so I came to America when you were five. Yeah, with my mom, my dad, and my younger right. sister. Okay. So I was five years old, started kindergarten with no prior English learning. Yeah. And so I just kind of jumped right in. And then um, then my parents split, and my mom moved to Dallas, Texas. Okay. And then my dad raised me from the age of seven and on. So okay. it was just my dad and I, just the two of us here in Tacoma, Washington. You know, it was it was a very, as a young girl, um, I guess it was a good time to transition because I didn't know what was going on. I just yeah. kind of really adapted really well and sure. just went with it. But the hardest part definitely was when my mother um, moved to Texas. Uh, two years later, I was seven years old and um, took my sister with her. So that was that really broke my heart. And, yeah, um, of course. And I didn't know when I was going to see my mom again. And lo and behold, I... It was 10 years later. I was 17 when I saw my mom and my sister again. And so she um, remarried uh, in Texas and had a whole nother family, three more kids. And um, today, you know, we're all grown adults. I'm the oldest of five kids. We're all, you know, half brothers and sisters. And the youngest is turning 21 today, October 1st. Oh, wow. (laughs) So I have my youngest sister, Jackie. You never think that we have different parents Parents, you know we have the same mom but you never think that we we live apart like we're just really close that's amazing like we're just we have we're all just survivors we we just have this like this deep pull in our hearts just to like you know despite what happens to us despite the people in our lives that pull us down we're gonna prove them wrong we're gonna make it so then the sponsorship came in yes so now you're you're good now, but like back then you were seven, mm-hmm. new country. Well, you were already in the new country, but you get a sponsor. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of had to ask questions about this too as I got older. Like, how does what is sponsorship? What does yeah. this mean? Yeah. Um, so, World Relief came to their church one Sunday morning, and okay. World Relief just said, "Hey, we have uh, this was back in 1990. So we have um, some." refugees from Vietnam, um, some families that need sponsorship. They can't come to the U.S. until they're sponsored. And so um, does anybody have a spare bedroom? That's what this woman from World Relief presented to the congregation. 
And so people, a few families kind of raised their hand, like, I have a spare bedroom. Mm-hmm. Not knowing what they're raising their hand for, I'm sure. Right, right, <laughs> you right. You know, so um, this one couple, they, um, yeah, their original, our original sponsors, Joe and Ann Herbst, they had um, some young kids themselves and uh, around my age. And so that, so they, ro- they, they rose their hand and they're like, um, we only have one spare bedroom. Is that big enough for a family of four? Yeah, right. And the lady from World Relief was like, that's plenty of room. Yeah. And so they agreed to be our sponsors. I don't know if there's any compensation or anything that has to do with the government side, but uh, we flew into SeaTac International Airport, um, wow. my family and I, and we met them. They're wonderful people. And, um, you know, long story short, in a, a few years later, he, uh, Joe works for Procter & Gamble, so they moved his whole family to, like, Virginia. Okay. So during that time, Joe knew um, that I needed some support. You know, my dad needed some support without my mom being there. So he asked another friend in the church and um, to kind of look after us, Yeah. you know, while they were moving to Virginia and weren't going to be close. So, yeah, we, we've had a lot of – we met some wonderful people in the church, and I think that's really what first attracted me me to like faith and like Christianity was like, who are these people? Why are they so nice? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. At that particular time, um, through my research and questions and inquiring about Buddhism and Christianity, um, I asked the Buddhist monk and my father and I said, you know, uh, the one thing, the one piece that I don't quite understand about Buddhism is reincarnation. I love the philosophies of, you know, teaching to love others like your neighbor, very similar to to God's teaching, to, you know, be kind to people, to respect one another. And, you know, just the the religion is based of love, respect, and for people, for the environment, you know, for, for the world. Yeah. And so I was like, I love that. But this reincarnation piece really... (laughs) Didn't set right with you. Really had me questioning, like, okay, Mm -hmm. when I when I pass, where does my spirit go? Where, what happens then? You know? And I remember my, uh, my dad, (laughs) he was just like, well, if you've been a good person in life, Luann, then you get reincarnated into um, a human being, another, another human being. If you've been a terrible person, you might become an ant, like a tiny little ant that might get stepped on or a cow (laughs) that will be slaughtered one day for food. (laughs) So I'm thinking, wow. Okay. And then I look at my dad and I said, if I work hard in my whole entire life, I get to become a human again. Okay. And I said, um, Dad, I don't really want to become a human again. One life as a human was, was enough for me. I was yeah. like, this is a hard life. That's so pretty wise. I look at my dad, I'm like, is there anything else? Yeah. <laughs> and my dad goes, well, after so many reincarnations, then you can go to the spirit world and live in, in heaven. I'm like, okay, I want to get there. How do I get there? Yeah. And he didn't have a good answer for me. You know, I had to go through so many reincarnations. And and that was the same response from the Buddhist monk. And so at that point, I said, okay, let me just sit on that. Yeah. <laughs> and then here I was being, you know, exposed to Christianity and this loving God and the fact that you don't have to work for his love, the fact that you don't have to. There's no such thing as reincarnation. You just, when you pass, your spirit is free. Yeah. You know, your, your spirit, you're not trapped into some other living being, you know? So I was just like, that is actually very appealing to me. Yeah. <laughs> so at first in comparing the two in, in that 
aspect of afterlife. Um, I really, I didn't quite understand the, 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 the image of God and the love of God quite fully, mm-hmm. but I just knew that I was going to be free after I, I die. <laughs> yeah. And that was super important. Well, I mean, a lot of people, well, this is the thing is that a lot of people just don't want to talk about what happens after life. Mm-hmm. I mean, even Christians wonder, you know, are they really in heaven? You know, I think when you lose someone, you, you definitely get want to grasp it the most because you're like, where'd that person go? You know, your loved one. Um, but back to the, um, Buddhist part, like I've just noticed like with religions, it's like, it's, it's not about questioning the religion. It's more about what is it about for me? It's like believing in God and believing in Jesus is the only, if you want to put a label to it, religion or concept or whatever that, there's no work that you have to be done. It's already been done for you. Whereas being a Buddhist or being, um, different ones labeling yourself in a religion, it's, um, there's work to be done. Like you're not this until you do this. You're not a good person until you do like, there's just too much darn, darn work. Okay. And I'm just not into that. Like I've always come from the aspect of just being like humbled in the sense of just like, I am not perfect. Mm -hmm. I am not. So I need something to come and save me because it ain't going to happen. Like I ain't going to be perfect. This ain't, this is not going to be good for me. Like, you know, so for me, it's easy to believe, um, this way, but yeah, I mean, don't you, so for you, it was more the afterlife. At first it was the afterlife. And I, I mean, I think I was just being a little bit selfish you know, thinking like, I, I really don't want to be an ant or a, a human or again, or a cow or a human. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, to kind of think of just me, like what would happen to me after life? You know, I started looking towards Christianity a little bit more, but yeah, to kind of go into that deeper meaning of, you know, what, what is it to, to believe in God and what does that mean? Um, I kind of started to learn more afterwards. Um, and so, you know, with, uh, and it's, it's a journey. I think, sure. you know, a lot of people, outsiders that are not Christians looking in will think Christians are lazy. You're like, oh, well, you know, God will love you no, no matter what you do. You know, that's what my oh, dad, yeah. that's what my dad said. Oh, well. Yeah, yeah. that's one perspective. Yeah. Everybody has a perspective. And so my dad goes, you know, you don't, you know, I mean, he's seen good Christians, but, you know, I mean, but then there's good and bad people out there. there right. You know, you can't just say they're good Christians or there's bad Buddhists or, you know, it's just, there's just people, (laughs) they're just people. And, um, and so we live in this broken world. And I think ultimately when I told my dad, I wanted to become a Christian, (laughs) I didn't know what his response would be. And my dad kind of looked at me and he said, well, you know, I brought you to this country for a reason, you know, for you to explore and, you know, believe in what you want to believe. And so yeah. he was really open about mm-hmm. it. And I was cool. I was like, wow, that's awesome, dad. You know? Yeah. My grandma, on the other hand, was just like, nope. Like, <laughs> she, she was like, I'm not going to your bat. Like, she had no, nothing, wanted to, nothing to do with me becoming a Christian. And I love my grandma. And I really sure. respected her. And, and really, because she's the one who raised me in that Buddhist temple, you know, so many years ago. And so I kind of was hoping for some, you know, some love or some, some kind of support. But unfortunately, she just kind of was like, gave me that stink eye. And um, so that was like, that's okay. I still love you, Grandma. And so at that point, I realized that I couldn't just, 
you know, a lot of us Christians sometimes, we go out there trying to preach the gospel, trying to share this good message, but how are we living our lives? Are we reflecting God in our lives and how we treat others and how we um, come across? Yeah. And so I realized at that point I, I couldn't speak about Christianity in my home. Mm. It wasn't it wasn't allowed because grandma was living with us. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was just grandma was living with us. And so I remember praying by myself before I would eat my food. And um, and my grandma saw something change in me during those kind of, you know, teenage years that I was I was more loving. I was more kind. I was more patient, you know, less quick to be angry. Yeah. And that's all I had, that's, that's all I could do was just live the best, how was God teaching me through my life and just show it versus saying anything about it. Do you believe that like you naturally believing in God, like kind of naturally flowed like that? Because for me, my relationship with God has always been more relationship versus what I can do to be a better person. So experiences, I guess you could say. Mm Mm-hmm or what formed me to want to make good decisions or not good decisions or just like naturally I flow this way, you know, it just comes out of the relationship component. Yeah. And I think that will come later on as well. Mm -hmm. You know, I think when you're brought up in that Christian atmosphere with family and that support around you, you kind of have a little bit of a different perspective on your relationship with your faith in God. Mm-hmm. And I think for me coming from like that Buddhist background and always having to like prove and work towards something, um, that was my first kind of take on Christianity as well. Like I wanted to like, I wanted to be a good Christian. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I wanted to like show people that, okay, like, like I'm a Christian now. Like I need to, I need to be a good example of what a Christian looks like. Yeah. And you know, you can only do that for so long. <laughs> yeah. And so, yes. um, yeah, I mean, we, we all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory and we learn from our mistakes and that's what makes us human. We, we, you know, we fall and we get back up and we keep, we keep trying, you know, we keep growing, keep, um, wanting to better ourselves. And I think that's, that is my story is of, of growth. Um, yeah. you know, when, when we talk oh, about yeah. just last year, you know, now I now I'm a mother, you know. Yes. In my adult years, I've been married for ten years. Now, Yay, um, congratulations! Thank you. Met my husband when I was eighteen, so we've had this wonderful fifteen-year journey together. Of just he's, I was a hot mess when I was eighteen. You yeah, know? a lot of things had happened in those previous years, um, and so backing up. So too is that. You had this sponsorship, then you ended up going to a different sponsorship, and so you had people helping you, a couple that was helping you and your dad through all the teen years, so from like 9 till you were out of the house, 9 till 18, and so so here you are, this new, fairly new Christian taking grasp of, um, and this couple that was mentoring you guys, basically, essentially, right, Mm -hmm. was... Were you guys living together or no? no. So we, my family well, lived, my dad and I lived in Tacoma. So just okay. across the bridge. So they okay. lived in Gig Harbor. So that narrows bridge that. So you would see mm-hmm. them often, but like. All the time. Yeah. Okay. Like I would have my, I had my own room at Gig Harbor. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I had my own room over there. I, my, that was like my second, like if you talk about living in two worlds. Yeah. That was, that was it. That was me. And the, Monday through Friday, I was in Tacoma going to school. 
Saturday and Sunday, I was over there doing my homework, going to church, you know, and um, my sponsor mother, she taught me how to be a lady, you know, yeah. took me shopping to teach me about modesty. Um, wow, yeah. She taught me how to set the table, forks on the left. Talk, talk about oh, you know, I, I could use a coach on that. You know, just it was like <laughs> it was like almost like I'm like, where, who is this lady? Yeah, you know, it was yeah. so new to me, but sure. it was so like cool too because yeah. n- nobody ever taught me that. Right. You know, I was raised by a dad, so you can you know imagine I was such a rough around the edges kind of kind of girl. Yeah. And yeah. so here, this you know my sponsor mom Anne was just. Uh, she taught me how to stuff a turkey for Thanksgiving, you know? I'm like, oh, Thanksgiving and Christmas were all new traditions. Right, yeah. Uh, we didn't celebrate those holidays. And and I just I just loved it. I just loved yeah. being able to experience both. Yeah. And I think that's why I um, I have fallen in love with teaching. I've fallen in love mm. with multicultural um, atmospheres. Right. I, I want... I want to expose the children, you know, and their parents, you know, like there's so much more than the, our little bubble, little bubble, you yeah. know? And so that's, that's kind of where it started was kind of going back and forth between those two worlds. Right. And just right across the bridge, basically. Yeah. So at this point then, um, you know, as far as like faith and then your actual, what you're experiencing in life was a certain way, but so you get to this point now, you've been married, and then in 2018, last year, you start to feel like something kind of came, started coming over you, like you just started feeling like... It was, it's anxiety I've never had. Okay, so you this, something presented itself in anxiety. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? It was, it was like, it was as if this dark hole was like growing inside of me that was going to like eat me up. <laughs> Yeah. I couldn't quite explain it. It was just, it was a scary, I think I just woke up one morning. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I would say a year and a half ago. Yeah, 2017-ish. And so I woke up one morning in, in, in a state of panic. And it's never happened to me for, me okay. before. Okay. And so I woke up and I kind of had to take a deep breath. I'm like, what happened? And in my dream or what, whatever it was, that darkness I couldn't describe what that darkness and maybe Satan, I don't know, you know, but just that darkness was going to take my family away. It was going to destroy my life. Wow. And I needed, I needed to figure out what that darkness was. So you were kind of, so is that when like spiritually speaking, you were like, okay, God, what is this? Yeah. Okay. So you started there and then as things started to unravel, mm-hmm. you found out what that darkness was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so basically, you know, I had to address it quickly mm-hmm. and I, if I were to sit around and avoid it any longer, you know, it was just going to be building up. And I think it's always been, been there, mm-hmm. but I think I've been so good at running away from my problems <laughs> and yeah. sweeping, you know, like things well, you're underneath. A, you're a survivor. Yeah. A survivor always goes on to the next thing. You're just getting through life. Yes. <laughs> so, so finally I think life, just slapped me in the face. Mm. Like just, it just woke me up one morning and said, this is like, you can't run from it anymore, Luann. And I kind of was like, okay. (laughs) Um, so I, I mean, I, we've already been going to church, you know, at Willamette. And I think this, this moment I kind of was, I I need to do something about this. So I talked to my Bible study leaders that I was really close to at the time, Liz and Amy. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, 
I need to get baptized. <laughs> I, I can't explain to you why. I, I just know I need to. I need help. Um, and I didn't know people that well at the time to really let them know what that darkness was inside of me. And I still kind of wasn't sure either. So, but I knew I needed help. And so, um, yeah, I got baptized and then I jumped right into, I asked the church if, you know, they had recommended a counselor I could talk to. So I got, um, into some counseling sessions with Sue and she's just, you know, been an anchor in my life thus far. And so I just started kind of unraveling my life in front of her, you know, piece by piece. And she talked, she helped me through making sense of everything that's happened in my life. And I think when you survive as a child, what has happened to you, you almost want to survive it as an adult, but it's, it's, it's a different way of surviving. Children are equipped um, with certain survival techniques. And I don't quite understand all, all of that, but... Um, like probably blocking? Blocking, um, almost making it make sense, like that it's it wasn't bad kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, trying to make sense of the good. And that's, sure. that's what children, that's why they're so, so pure in heart and so special is that children are just, they're so innocent and they're so beautiful. I love working with children for that reason. And so um, to understand what happened to me as a child... Um, it was a very sad story and not many people know about that story um, because I don't carry it on my face. I don't carry it on my shoulders because that's how I've survived. Um, and so with that said, I was sexually abused, um, starting at age seven. Um, and then it kind of progressed into that age nine and, um, and it went on for several years by multiple men. And um, it didn't stop until I was 17. And so during those times, I felt loved. I felt that it was okay. And these men were married, um, you know, with their own families. And so I was very confused. Like, well, they're married, but they, they're doing this with me. So what, what does that this? speak to a marriage, you know? Or like healthy boundaries. Like, they're much older than me. They're my father's age, my grandmother's age and so you know as a child I was just so broken and so alone when my mom left and I was just craving for love and craving for that attention that unfortunately these men saw that saw that and instead of creating healthy love and healthy boundaries that I wished had happened um, they crossed those lines they abused their authority over me and um, I fell into the cycle of abuse, and and that was that darkness that I'm I finally confronted last year, and I I sat down with my abuser in March 2018. Wow! And because um, I just wanted some answers, I wanted to understand why. Of course, you know why was it? Why did you? Well, backing up from this too is that this person was someone that, um, you know, was a mentor to you, like someone who was just a big part of your life, even so that even your own husband knew who he was and was a part of his life. Like both of you trusted him 
far after this even happened. Like you, he's always been a part of your life. I mean, oh yes, up until recently. But like, so basically, you're like having to uncover layers and layers and layers when everything's been pretty much patched up or just moved on. You know, at age, what are you now? Like, I'm 33. Okay, you're 33. So you're confronting something that happened. You know, and so this is like a shock to you. It's a shock to you had never told your husband until recently. I told my husband last year. Last year. Wow. I mean, there are so many things to tackle with abuse. It is just mind boggling, especially because the person that comes out of abuse is usually the one that feels like either A, their fault, or there's just so much confusion with it Mm -hmm. because you love the person, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but you're back to your story in this is that you confronted the person. So how did, uh, you know, which I... takes a lot of balls. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like, it does because people have a hard time even admitting their abuse, let alone confronting the person that did it. Like in all in what a matter of like month, Months? like, like, a, like less than that. Right. Like, so the word, Abuse didn't even cross your brain. Came across my brain in January, and the fact that I had to connect abuse, abuser, to what happened to me made me so angry. I I was angry at Sue. <laughs> I was angry at what happened. I'm like, no, 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 no. This person loves me. They would never abuse me. Like, you are wrong. <laughs> I just told my counselor flat out she was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember. But how did you connect the dot that it was like, if you didn't believe that that person was abusive or an abuser, how would you connect the darkness to that person? Well, that's where the counselor comes in. The counselor just speaks truth into you. So the counselor was just like, tell me about this person in your life. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, actually we did this. Actually we, you know. Well, kind of like that. So Sue was just like, Luann, tell me what happened, you know, from A through Z. I okay. Told- so from starting at seven. Yes. Starting from seven all the way onto my life. And then when Sue heard my story, Sue basically told me to my face, Luann, you have been abused. You were a child. You were an innocent child that got your innocence taken from you. And this man did it. She just told me right there to my face. And I sat there. Oh, my God. And I said, no. It's like so logical for someone on the outside, but when you're in it, you really were not convinced. I could not, I could not make sense of her words at that moment. I said, no, that, that is the least of it that I I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And, but I kept coming back to Sue. I came, I, I I saw her every week, (laughs) once a week and shout out to Sue, man. You know, exactly. I mean, she, she's a Christian counselor. I mean, I, I. There's counselors and there's Christian counselors, counselors, you know, and she just knew how to incorporate what abuse means, but what, how that distorts our image of God and how we can rebuild that image of God when we separate the abuse from our lives. Well, and that was the problem is that this person that abused you was a Christian. In fact, this person was, you know, got you into the church. Like mm-hmm. he was the picture perfect he was my angel. God, angel, godly person who rescued you or, you mm-hmm. know, however. And his wife was in the same sense. Um, yeah, it was very complicated. It was a very, like, 
I kind of describe this as like there's this web, right? There's this web of good and bad, and there's a lot of good in my childhood. Don't get me wrong. You know, I had violin lessons. I went to church retreats on their dime. They paid for everything. Um, they, They got me a tutor when my English was, you know, struggling, when I was struggling with just my written English. Like, they wanted so much good in my life that I just was so grateful for them. I was so grateful, eternally grateful. And now that I know the truth, what happens in this, all this good, and this, you know, child in me is trying to figure out, you know, how can I separate this good and the bad? And it's just like, you can't. It's all, it's, it's a web. It's tangled all together. And so how I see it now is that, okay, all of this good happened, you know, and they're mm-hmm. wonderful, good, good things, you know. Um, but then there's this really dark cloud that, sur- that is, surrounds all this good. And this cloud cannot be removed. This cloud is there. This is the cloud of abuse. This is what abuse does to good. This is what abuse does. It, it's bro- it breaks a person. It's so painful, <laughs> so painful. I, I've i cried in my life, but I've never cried like I did back in March 2018 after I confronted him and asked him why. You know, this little girl inside of me just said, you know, why couldn't you set healthy boundaries? Why couldn't you not kiss me back even though I wanted your love? Like, he blamed me for wanting his love. He blamed me for wanting to kiss him. And I looked at him and I said, how old was I? How could you blame a child for wanting to be loved? And so that really hurt me. It really hurt me deeply. And then the second thing that really just slapped me across the face was the fact that he is godly. He is a believer. And he said that he prayed to God. And that apparently was okay with God. And I... Really? I couldn't even look at him in the eyes. I had to look out into the Puget Sound for a minute there. We're sitting there at Reston Way, and I was just like, um, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one because the God I know, the God I know in my heart would not have wanted that to happen to me. I don't know who you're praying to, but the God I know would have not wanted that to happen, would have wanted it to stop. So... That co- I knew that conversation wasn't going to go anywhere. I knew I wasn't going to get the apology that I was hoping for, you know, and so... Which a lot of people want. Yeah, yeah, we want closure. We want that, oh, I'm sorry that I hurt you, you know, and it's never going to be the same, but at least you get that apology. Right. I've never had that apology, and um, so it's really frustrating for sure. Well, it's beyond an apology. It's more like blame. Oh. Well, I mean, that's like actually worse like it's not even an apology it's like turn the table right up back on you and I was you know to tell you the truth I was so ready to to accept his apology like I was so ready to forgive him I was like I was like ready like it was right on that plate like you know if you ask for it here you go you know like I wanted to to make peace of this because yeah, I, 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 I cared about him. I loved him. And I wanted him to make it right with God. And that was just me and my own good heart that I wanted all of that. And when that, when those words came back to me like that, I took my apology back. I mean, I took my forgiveness back. Yeah. I, I came back and I called Sue and I said, I take it back. 
Yeah. I told Sue, it's like, this isn't working for me. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> this isn't working for me. I can't forgive him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. and so I've been holding on to this forgiveness for about a year now. Right. You know, I'm currently um, attending Mending of the Soul. This is my third week at the church, you know. And Which, I, by the way, mm-hmm. we talked about Alicia Coates, who was on here about her story. She's going to get back on here maybe like November, December, possibly. But she is now, she went through an abuse story. Um, if you look it up, um, I don't know. It's in there. It's in the one of those podcasts, but uh, I forget the number. But anyway, she's now through her story. The Dateline, spe- I call it the Dateline special in my head because hers was just, I don't know, convicted felon now. But he, but like he, she's a she works at this mending the soul thing. She does this whole book, and I, I wish. I mean, is it just through the church? Like what? This just seems like a miraculous study that people that well, I've heard about. Yeah, so many of the soul, many, many people don't know about it um, okay. at the church. I mean, our church is big. There's a lot of... As big as every church. Yeah, like, there's I a mean, lot of people. But so it's kind of like Rooted. You know how Rooted comes into a church and kind of... But someone out of Oregon, though, like how would they find Mending the Soul? I have no idea. I okay. just knew last spring that Mending the Soul was coming to our church. That's, okay, so that's Google what I was Mending the Soul and go from there. But yeah. this is the second person I've heard, and third, actually, that have gotten a lot out of this. And you've only been doing this for how long? Three weeks. Three weeks, which every week is like... It's deep. It's a kick in the butt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to take a nap after? Like, or does it take you... Do you... Yeah. It, 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 it is... Um, you know, when you go to Bible study, which I've gone through, I've been to Rooted, I've been to Bible study, and I've always tried to be involved in something to kind of stay in the Word, you know, to have that community, yeah. you know, support in that sense, you know, for faith. And so, you know, at Bible study, we pray, we talk about the Bible, we learn. Okay, that's what we do in Bible study. We mm-hmm. learn about God. We do, you know, certain studies. Mending of the soul is a, what it, it is, and you don't have to have gone through abuse to attend Mending of the Soul, but it's quite a rigorous process to even get into a group. I had to go through an interview. I'm sure. And so they just asked, they want you to be in a safe place to begin with. You know, you're not in an abusive relationship. You're not on drugs, you know, like... They want you in a safe place to even begin the journey of mending of the soul. Sure. And then second of all, they want to make sure you're you're in the right group. So they interview you and hear a little bit about your story. So they put you in the right group, and it's a really small, intimate group. We have, I think, five members with two leaders. Wow. We have five members with two leaders. And the first day, you know, this was three weeks ago, we dive in. Um, the leaders told their story, you know, and we – but – like you were talking to me earlier, when we share our story, it's not about all the details and struggles that happened. Yes, we, we know that happened, but it's about, okay, that has happened to you. Now, how have you, how has that distorted your image of God and how are you rebuilding that image of God? And so what's the process of healing? And then what is your goal for this group and mm-hmm. where would you like to go from here? Sure. You know, it, there it's you, you don't get. St- I mean, yes, we talk about some hard things. I mean, chapter one was talking about all types of abuse, verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse. Well, some people don't even know they're abused. Exactly. Or put a label. On, I don't even know how to put a label on it. So we learn about the, all the abuse, and then chapter two was the effects of abuse. You know, out of all the abuse that happens, I mean, you can't really compare the abuse. You know, abuse is abuse. Sexual abuse is definitely something that is um, that is very 
confusing, you know, when you have someone that you, because most of the time it's someone that you know, someone that you trust, unfortunately. And then verbal abuse, something that people don't realize that verbal abuse is such a big, big abuse. Yeah. When someone just... It's a silent killer. It's a silent killer. Someone that just just tears you apart verbally, Mm -hmm. you know, takes away your, your, your voice your voice and um so you know every so that yeah so that was set chapter two so i just read chapter three and chapter three is profiler of an abuser what does an abuser look like and you know which is probably really important for you because i mean you weren't totally convinced that he was an abuser at that point um Right. I just did my homework this last week and I, I had a good cry. <laughs> I kind of wrote, you know, there was this one page that had a picture of Jesus, Jesus suffering, Jesus on the cross. And it wasn't him physically on the cross, but it was the thorns on his head, his, he's bleeding, he's got scars on his face and his eyes are just piercing. It's this beautiful drawing of Jesus. It was on, on chapter three. And the question on that page was, look at this face. Look into those eyes. What do you see? How do you feel? I mean, I have a response to that, but um, I probably won't go there today. Yeah, I, yeah. I, well, and this is the stuff. This is the stuff. Yeah. This is the stuff. I mean, this happens. Mm-hmm. You're a believer. God, why? The question that we always go back to, why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Why did you let this happen? Why did I, you know, like where this dark cloud comes over, mm-hmm. you're stuck, you, you want to come out of it, everything's confusing, and now you're at this mending the soul, you're about three chapters in, and do you, in, in all honesty, I mean, do you feel like, like what does your relationship with God look like right now? That's a good question. Um, and, and you know what? I mean, there's yeah. not a, you can, I mean, this is, we know, I mean, there's logic and then there's feeling and then there's this and mm-hmm. there's that, but like, I'm sorry if you haven't gone through life and experienced questioning God and his existence, then I don't know what your world, what you're living in, but I'd like to go there and so, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's just hard. It's hard. God could do a million things for me. I could say, I love you, God, every single day and feel his love and his love for me. And the next day something happened and me questioned it all. Yeah. That's humanness. So there's that. And then there's what you have, which is something that you are really not in control of. Mm-hmm. So how, again, I'm asking, asking you the question, how does your relationship with God feel right now? You know, my relationship with God definitely has its ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to tell you, I, I don't quite go into those, you know, hot and cold phases, you know, uh, like quite that roller coaster ride like I did years back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think your f- steady faith kind of thing, like you feel, yeah. you feel the security and love of God. You know, just a few months ago, I could be standing in church and crying out to God and they're like, why? You know, why did you let that happen? Why didn't you protect me? Mm-hmm. You know, why I felt abandoned, sure. you know, why did you abandon me? And, and that was my cry. You know, this was just a couple months ago and you know, that answer is not easy to find. Um, but what I have found is that 
especially in this chapter three, I, it was it was good homework. Um, I found that God didn't abandon me. God, God didn't want that to happen to me. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we live in this broken world, and this analogy came across. This another other lady was saying that other people's mistakes, especially when something happens when you're a child and it's not it's it's out of my control. You know, I couldn't control what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Um, other people's mistakes and their shortcomings. And, you know, they're driving this speedboat and they're driving so fast, you know, and there's this huge wake that comes out of their speedboat and I'm caught up in that wake. You know, I'm the child that has tumbled over and over those waves, that has been drowning and choking on those waves. And I want to get out of that wake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so my relationship with God is that yes, bad things happen. But we cannot we cannot put God in the same category as evil. There's evil and there's bad and then there's good and then there's God. So for me I've had to really put a clear oh, separation between good and bad. Cuz it can't be both. God can't be good and bad. <laughs> Oh my gosh, God, that's such a good realization. God is good. The world is bad. So how do you make sense of all of that? Right. So here I am making trying to make sense of all of that. And so my relationship with God has gotten better. Uh, there are days I still, you know, fight with God, you know, mm, and yeah. still ask him questions. and still, Being honest. Being honest, you sure. know, just still... still there's so much hurt and pain still inside of me. And so, you know, making sense of that with God. But when I look into God's, you know, Jesus's eyes when he suffered, there's a quote, a suffering Jesus will know your suffering. If Jesus didn't suffer, he wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. But if we understand Jesus's suffering and what he went through, you know, even though it was years and years ago, but that's what's unique about Christianity is that personal relationship with your Savior, your faith. No other religion has that. That is what totally drew me to Christianity. I was like, wow, I can speak to God directly. I can, like, cry out to Him. I can be angry with Him. I can love Him. You don't have that in any other Christian, any other religion, really, at all. Right. And so our human nature, we crave that. We crave that that bond. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, I, this is where we're, how we're wired. That's how we're wired. Yeah. You know, God wired us in such unique ways. Mm-hmm. You know, he wired people with certain gifts and talents and he wired people with certain attributes um, of strength of survival, you know, and another friend told me recently, you know, God has equipped us each in different ways to overcome the things that we have to overcome but that also means there's also fruit and there's also life and there's also goodness mm-hmm. that comes out of hardship. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a piece that I'm, I'm still learning about. Like, what's the goodness out of this? You know, I'm like, I can't, I don't want my story to go to waste. Oh, your story's not going to go to waste. <laughs> no, it's always the part. That is a guarantee. Yeah. That part I'm pretty darn sure about. It's always the, for me, it's always the cloud of, and this is what I was telling you earlier, just the point of this podcast in a lot of ways is to 
recognize that spot between disbelief and belief, hardship and what's real and what's not, and how do you live day to day? Like, I'm talking about the people that are so depressed they can't get out of bed or, you know, somehow they come out into this hope and where, you know, where is God in those exact moments? And the conclusion, a lot of it seems is that a lot of people say, and this has been my experience too, is that you you go through a hard experience, Mm -hmm. okay, then certain time goes by and then you look back and you see how God was in it all along. It, when you're in it, you're like, where are you, God? And mm. I don't see anything right now and all those kind of things. But yet, when time passes, you see it. Yeah. You see it. And um, and that is the same story. And it, it fascinates me because, I mean, I know that's true for my life, but like, is that true for others? And I have to say, yes. I mean, it's like, you will come out of this and you have the impact that it will have on people that are around you is going to be far greater than whatever happened to you. That's a promise. Mm -hmm. And that is something that can give you that hope to just like make the next step, you know, that can be the next Mm -hmm. step, but the guarantee that it will is that it does. I mean, that's written all over the Bible. Those promises of like nothing goes to waste. Every little thought that you have had is, is covered in love and all those things for me, like, and I, and I'm even getting warm talking about it because that's truly what I believe. However, like then that, but the hard part, Oh, I just, I am a, I don't like pain. Mm -hmm. I avoid pain at all costs. And I just assume everyone out there does too. And so Mm -hmm. talking about it, talking about this, Mm -hmm. like you're being vulnerable and saying, yeah, like I am mad, you know, I am, Like, I don't understand. And that's the real true stuff, you know. The truth is, is God God died for all of that. It's true. Um, And he's not going to let any part of pain that you feel or I feel be not noticed and not wasted. Right. I think we tend to hold a lot of things in. And it's just human nature. We don't want to burden anybody about it. We don't want to, you know, we well, just don't want to face it. Or... We don't want to face it. Or you feel like I can do it on my own. I think mm. that's, that's a lot of, you know, I mean, speaking just for me, that's how I felt like, oh, I got this, you know, I got this go getter personality. Like yeah. I, you know, I can, I can carry this to my grave. I can keep the secret. I'm going to be okay. And I kept the secret for a long time. You know, it took me. 15 years to tell the man that I love, my husband. And it was really hard to tell him (laughs) because I wanted to protect him. I didn't want him to know about this darkness inside of me, about this man who he thought so highly of. And so when I told him, I almost regretted it because I it was like a day or two later. I was like, oh, my gosh, Van. Um, Just kidding. It didn't happen. uh, (laughs) I kind of looked at Van and I said, are you, how do you, do you wish I didn't tell you? Like I, I, he was just, cause he tends to internalize things, you know? And so for Van, he looked at me with those loving eyes and I didn't know what he was going to say, but he looked at me and he said, Luann, I'm glad you told me because now you don't have to carry it alone. And I just about just melted, yeah. you know, just to have this man 
you know, we were young kids when we met. We didn't, we didn't know that our life was going to, we were going to get married and have kids. Like, you know, I was 18, he was 20. And so, but also I knew God was there. He, God knew I needed a man like Van in my life. Yeah. A man that has good virtues, that, that is good. That is so good. I mean, we all have flaws, you know, we, we argue and we pester each other sometimes, but that's, that's natural. But at the end of the day, we try not to go to bed angry, you know. We we always try to, you know, kind of talk about things and be open with each other. But this past year, let me tell you, ever since, like, I did the hard work, you know, to reveal and open up about my pain, you know, God doesn't, God sees everything. But if you don't let, if you don't open yourself up and reveal to God your pain, it will never get resolved. It's just, that's the truth. You have to reveal your pain to God. I mean, it doesn't matter who you, you know, people are people, but God is the one person that can really heal, heal and mend your soul. And so, um, but you know, it's 2019 now and um, it's been about a year, year and a half since everything, everything you came know, out. came out. And um, Van and I, we have, our marriage has grown our relationship is deeper. Our intimacy is deeper. You know, we're just, we just more connected. Yeah. We're just more well connected and, um, we just see each other. I think ultimately I see, I look at him and he looks at me and we see each other. Wow. And that is a bond that nobody can take. No way. No. You know, and that's, it's so beautiful. And Yes. And that, that's what makes me grateful. I have a grateful heart. You know, I, I don't, I'm not out there to seek revenge. You know, I'm not out there, um, to destroy anybody's life. You know, I think my abuser was really concerned about me sharing this because he doesn't want anybody to know his own wife doesn't know his whole family, his community doesn't know. And of course, nobody wants this to come out. But at the end of the day, it's not my place to to say that either. Yeah. You know, I think, and I had to, you know, come to realize, like, you know, I have to leave this to God. You know, even if I were to destroy his life, if I were to tell his wife and, you know, and, and do all of that, what good is that going to bring Yeah. to him or to me? Is that going to make me feel better about myself? Probably not. So you could see why people would feel that, that it would, but it wouldn't last that. I mean, you might, the revenge thing might like, yeah, last good for like a day or two or even a month or two. Yes. But, but the interesting about that's so convincing about, um, being honest with your hurt so that God can heal is that I feel like you were convinced yourself that you were okay mm-hmm. until you weren't. Mm-hmm. So in some ways you thought that maybe you weren't healed, but you didn't even see that you needed to be healed. You were convinced that you were fine. You got this, you're doing great. You know, it's like, leave that to the, you know, it's not a part of me anymore. You're not going to let that be part of your identity. Like move on, see you later. Like that was what that was. And I'm not a part of that anymore. And yet, and yet you wake up one day and it's like, you can't even, your body keeps track or something about that, 
um, biologically or like, there's something about that, you know, I mean, your body does not forget. Your mind does not forget. Your mind, as long as you can run and try to run as far as you can, you're going to go all the way to freaking, you know, Fiji. Yeah. (laughs) You can physically go as far as you can to escape your problems or escape whatever you're trying to escape, but your mind won't let you escape. You're, I mean, you tried. You tried. Oh, you I, tried. I, yes. I tried to, well, different things, but <laughs> I tried. you tried. You tried. I tried for as long as I could, as long as I could. And I looked at my beautiful boys, my Jackson, you know, and my Zayden. And I realized that, man, I am their mother. Yeah. I, these are my children. How do I want to? raise them what do I want them to remember of me yeah. how do I want them what do I want them to see in me and that really convicts you when you have children I mean husband is one thing but children man they do something to you yeah they, they do, do. They, they? they look into your soul <laughs> they see it all and they just love you no matter what mm-hmm. because you are their mom and I just there's times when my my boys are sleeping and I just sit there and cry I hold, yeah. I hold their hand, and I know they don't see me, but I just, I pray. I just pray, and I just say, dear God, please help me be the best mom that I can be. Please help me love um, and just, you know, just one day my boys will, will know my story. Yeah. One day, you know, um, but I just want them to see the strength. I want them to see the love of God. I want them to, to experience everything that I couldn't experience. Yeah. I want them to have a way better childhood than I did because <laughs> no child should ever go through what I went through. No, not at all. No. It's just really sad. Super sad. So I just, you know... God has planted a seed in my heart. Um, it's a big one. <laughs> but uh, I know one day, you know, I want to speak to young girls, especially young girls, you know, starting at that age of, you know, that vulnerable age of seven or eight. And I just want to speak truth into them and tell them how valuable they are, how wonderfully made they are. They shouldn't compare themselves you know, to each other, to anyone, because they are uniquely made, each in, in, each individual girl. And whoever tries to take that away, they need to not let that person take that away. Yeah. And just to hold on to, you know, that, that innocence of a child, that, you know, that gift of being a child. Yeah. And so hope one day you know I can inspire children and um you know it kind of what brought me to to teaching you know I when I teach it just brings this ultimate like this joy inside of me you know I could be making a lot more money doing something else but (laughs) you know I uh I told my students in high school I'm teaching at Westland High School and I said you know I could be an interpreter right now I make three times as much and I was doing that for a while but it wasn't as rewarding as this Wow, I bet they love you. You know, I just, 
I teach Chinese, but you know, Chinese is so much more than just a language, right? Or just any language, like Spanish. You know, kids are learning Spanish. That's you know, I love our district and that they have the World Language Program. Yeah. And so, with that said, you know, I was just like, wow, this district is my cup of tea. Like, I want to, you know, like Explore they do that. a great job planting the seed of culture and language in our children. You know, at kindergarten. And I want to be able to just water that seed and just keep that seed watered and have that grow because when they're exposed to language and culture, um, well, excuse me, when they are exposed to language, you know, then it builds into that culture. And there's just so much beauty in learning a different culture and how someone else lives and how someone else eats and how someone else thinks. And um, so when I teach Chinese, it's not just about the language. Yeah, the language is super awesome and is very useful. Um, but that's part of me. You know, I'm half Chinese and um, the other half is uh, Vietnamese and some unknown white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, with my white grandpa from the Vietnam War. Um, so anyways, just having that multiculturalness inside of me and now married to my husband, Van, who is, you know, um, what is he? What is he? Yeah. So <laughs> when I first met him, <laughs> oh my gosh, Tiffany, I thought he was Mexican. Really? I thought, well, you never, I don't know. Well, it was summertime. He was tan and dark and he had this sure. Afro curly hair. So I'm thinking like, is he a white boy? I don't even know. Like we're in the middle of Spokane, you know, we went to Whitworth University That's and hilarious. I swore, I'm like, he doesn't look white, you know? I, right, right. And nothing wrong with white guys. Sure, sure. <laughs> but sure. I, I was also very, uh, you know, I was. I don't, I don't even know who I was attracted to, but anyways, definitely him. And so I thought he was mixed with something. And so when I met him and realized he was just a white boy, I'm like, oh, okay. okay. And his like dad is like fifth generation German. Um, he yeah. just tans. He just tans really well. But tans. his mom um, was adopted from, she was adopted at a very young age. So for her, we kind of did the answer to DNA just to figure oh, that out. Oh, did you do that? Okay. And yeah. so Van's mom is like Italian, English, and something like that. Okay. So, I can see the Italian part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, my I mean, when you talk about tar, dark, and handsome, I got the package right yeah. there, you know? And well, he he's kicks just... everybody's butt in the gym, man. It's Wait. like, dang, there goes Van. <laughs> Jeez. He's just, he just wants to, it's like, if I'm going to show up at 5.30, I better make the most of it. Right. You know, that's how yeah. he is. He just yeah. wants to, it's not about being better than anybody else. It's about beating himself. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. And that's the whole thing about that gym too is like they're all about just good camaraderie and pushing yourself in all areas but but back to like with you it's like you know you I saw okay so another thing about Luann like you do something at the library too where you have like a (laughs) like the Chinese New Year right yeah yeah yeah. so what's so interesting is that so Joey's been in Chinese this is his third year and um it's hilarious because every time I go see his Chinese teacher, because they have these like, you know, these t- meet and greets where mm-hmm. you can see the teacher and everything like that. She's like, she knows Joey's, chi- she made him have a name in Chinese and I have no idea how to say it or what it is or like, but he is so, it's just so interesting that he's stuck with it. Like he really does enjoy and he does love the culture part of it. And you know what? I've realized, you know, it does get these kids out of their bubbles of society let's just say it how it is Mm -hmm. I mean you know there's different it's just amazing to see him kind of like well this is their world and you know I'm going to be a part of it and like just own it a little bit like he 
Yeah, he's just... And how old is Joey? He's 14. Okay, yeah, perfect. So, you know... So yes. he could go to high school next year and still continue to do Chinese, correct? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, so at high school, you get to pick between Chinese, Spanish, French, and Japanese. Oh, they have Japanese. And they now, have huh? Japanese. And so um, enrollment in Japanese is pretty low at the moment. Um, we're trying to get the Chinese enrollment up so we can have well, more, Joey, count Joey in, more I support. Think you I think know. He's, he's in for it. Yeah, Spanish know. has always been popular, and it's always going to stay popular. But I think it's so cool to see... No, I think people take French because it's cool or interesting, but Chinese is just so useful. And I mean, it you, is. If you want to just go out of your comfort zone and try some something completely different, and that's why I commend students that that choose Chinese their freshman year. Some sometimes some of them are forced to. <laughs> but do you think Joey having the sixth, seventh, yeah, eighth will help with that? Right? Yes, yeah, like that tremendously. That, right? that builds a foundation. Yeah. You know, and it really depends on the teacher that they have, how much they learn and, you know, retain and stuff like that. So for me, like we were talking about the, the library thing. Yeah. When I first moved to West Lynn, you know, I had two little little kids and I was like, you know, when I was in Seattle, it was very multicultural. When you go to the library, there's like Russian story time. There's like, you know, Spanish story time. There's just so many, so much going on. Culture, yeah. And I go to West Lynn Library. I said, oh, there's Spanish story time. That's cool. I was like, is there any other... Um, languages going on and unfortunately no uh you know five years ago when I asked and I looked at the librarian and you know the children's librarian downstairs Sarah good friend of mine and I was like hey Sarah uh, what do you think about having some like ni hao story time you know Chinese story time and she's loved the idea and so I just volunteered you know for a couple times and told all my friends and I think the first ni hao story time like it filled up the whole downstairs. Oh, wow. Like that doesn't it, surprise me. That was like... <laughs> when the way in's in charge. <laughs> I, yeah. I kind of... Because first of all, I was like, I want this, to, you know, like people to know about it. And once yeah. everybody knew about it, everybody came and was so supportive. And, you know, and of course, every, everybody like it's like a gym membership. They do it once and it's like, okay, you know, do I want to keep going? And so I kind of hosted a couple and the numbers kind of, you know, um, fell a little bit. Yeah. You, know, some, you know, some people just came that one time, but... Then um, the library actually um, wanted to hire me to just do Chinese story time. Oh, my goodness. So they hired me for a season to do that. Okay. Just to get more, you know, more culture. and You know, I was also like, oh, I, you know, I can only volunteer for, for so long, and then I have to actually go make some money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I was like, I, I, I like volunteering, but I also need to be able to support my family. So, um, yeah, the library hired me for a season, and then um, their budget kind of, you know, shifted shifted to to something else and so but with that said you know Chinese New Year came around um before Chinese New Year Sarah and I were just talking and she's like Luann what do you think about having like a an event you know for the community to celebrate because it's not just Chinese New Year it's an Asian New Year you're right right it's Asian New Year right and it's not just Chinese that celebrate it the Vietnamese celebrate the Koreans the Japanese you know it's the the Asians yeah yeah so I'm thinking that would be awesome, you know. So, this coming year will be my fourth year hosting. It's amazing. We for had the went library. last time, and it was amazing. It was so cool. The dragons and everything. I I called up the lion dance team in Portland. You know, they're actually a Vietnamese group, which is fun. Okay. Yeah, okay. they're a Vietnamese group, and you know, they have Vietnamese and Chinese. And and I said, hey, I have this event. You know, nonprofit, the library. We can kind of donate to your cause your cause you know for for coming and performing for us but to bring that culture to West Lynn because a lot of times you have to actually go to Portland go yeah. to Beaverton to find those events sure and not all, not all of us venture that way right. and so 
to have the opportunity to bring that culture here to our families, you know, yeah. to my friends that have never experienced what, you know, maybe never seen a line dance before. Um, and then I just do a, like a mini Chinese lesson during the class. And then I share with them, this is the year of the dog. And what does that mean? And, yeah. and the kids get so into it. And I have, you know, certain craft tables, calligraphy table. I have a little chopsticks table for the kids to practice their chopsticks skills. And that is just brings so much joy to my life to see, um, to see children experiencing a different culture. Yeah. You know, and to have my boys, my own boys, because, oh my gosh, funny story. My little Zayden, when he was like three or four years old, he comes up to me. He goes, um, mommy, you sound funny when I was speaking Chinese. <laughs> mommy, you don't sound like anybody I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is those words? Yeah, like are those words? his preschool teachers were speaking English. His, all his friends were speaking English. And I was the only one speaking Chinese to him. And so, I mean, oh, right, as a yeah. child would say, mom, you sound weird. Yeah. And That's I, such a funny way to say it. You I, sound weird. You, you sound weird. <laughs> You're I, not talking right. Exactly. Oh, that's hilarious. I looked at my son and I was just like, excuse me, th- this is mommy's <laughs> culture. This is mommy's language. And right. so at that moment, I realized as much as I love the Montessori and I love Westland, yeah. I needed to venture out. Yes. I needed to to expose my children because it was so important to me, language and culture, that here my four-year-old was saying that I sound weird. And I was like, okay, we're going to Chinese school. Yeah. And so I started off with Chinese preschool. And then so right now, every Sunday, they, we venture off to Beaverton for okay. that community aspect. You know, they, they don't like it. They fight me. You know, like, why do we have to go to Chinese school on Sundays? And I'm like, well, mommy had to go to Chinese school when she was your age. Yeah. So when you start speaking Chinese more to me, you know, I just encourage. I don't force it upon them, but I just want them to understand this is part of their identity, who they are. Yeah. You know, not a gift. And I said, be proud of that. Yeah. You know, be proud that you are part Asian, you know? Yeah. And my family now lives in Taiwan. So they all left Vietnam. My dad's side of the family. So they live in Taipei. And last year was the first year that I um, was able to bring my kids to meet them. You know, okay. Jackson was oh. five. Oh, yeah. I saw those pictures. Yeah. We went to Taipei for the first time. Yes. Zayden's second time. You took them by yourself? Oh I took them gosh. by myself. I know. I'm a little bit crazy at times. You're adventurous. I, that's for sure. I am. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, sometimes I think I'm crazy myself. So <laughs> if you think I'm crazy, it's okay. I do yeah, that. I yeah. do that to myself. Yeah. Um, but I also brought one of my students, my fourth grader. Oh, my goodness. He, she came with me with her mom. And so it just sparked this, like, oh, my gosh, okay, we have this culture and this language here in Westland and, you know, this Oregon, this, you know, little pocket of the world. And to be able to say, hey, my family lives in Taiwan, and every spring break, spring break is the best time to go. Every spring break, I'm going to have this trip. If you want to come, let me know. Oh, my goodness. And it opens up to everybody. You don't have to be learning Chinese to come, you know, but I'm just saying, you can have this experience with me. Both my wow. uncles are tour guides in Taipei. What? Yeah. And so they'll just hook you up with, you know, it depends on what kind of accommodations you want. And it's just really, actually overall, pretty inexpensive. I can put together an itinerary for that. But, um, you know, so my high school students like, can I come? Like, I'm like, yeah, you guys can come. You yeah, know, like yeah. if your parents want to come, we always encourage parents to experience it with their child. But sure. if the parents are unable to come and the child is, you know, mature and old enough to be able to handle an international trip and trust me, you know, I, yeah. I will be happy to take your child with me. 
And so that's just something that has, um, Spurred up. that has just planted that awesome, like, in, like this, you know, excitement in my heart, uh, to be able to offer that to our like students, yeah. an international trip like that, because, um, that's pretty awesome to be able to go with someone that speaks the language, but also knows the culture and actually can show you around, but also have your kids practice what they've learned in, in their classroom. Right. And so that's super cool. Um, and then one last thing is, I don't know if I, you know this, um, Tiffany. So I started an after school program, not just for Chinese now, it's Chinese and Spanish. Oh, it's both? Yes. So on early release Wednesdays. Okay. So rewind just a little bit. Um, so the last couple years as I started this Chinese after school conversation class, it goes on, it's every Wednesday that I have it here at, you know, Willamette Church. I reserve a room. I teach level one at four, level two at five. And so the community is just like, you know, voicing their frustration with their own after school care program. Right. Well, because... Yeah. And working parents can't. Working parents. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and so they're like, Luann, can you do something about it? Right. Like, <laughs> then I'm like, what am I it's, supposed to do? Right, right. Like, I literally, this whole summer, I've been racking my brain, digging deep, like, what can I do? What can I do to help my community? You sure, know, yeah. to, like, I, how do I expand my program? I don't speak Spanish very well, you know, so... And half the schools are Spanish. So, like, you know, like, how do I do this? How do I navigate this? And I couldn't really find an answer until two weeks before school started this school year. I was chatting with a mom. Mom was chatting with another mom. And then it's like, oh, you know who might be interested, Luann, is Emily. Emily okay. is a substitute teacher, but she also is a licensed Spanish teacher. Oh, my goodness. And teaches a lot at Sunset and Trillium. So her kids go to Sunset, yeah, kids my age. Okay. And so I, li- I knew who Emily was, but didn't really know her interest or passion. So I sat down with her over some, you know, some tea one day. I said, Emily, this is my idea. What do you think? And Emily was like, I love it. Oh, Let's do it, Luann. so cool. Because I needed someone to have the same interest and passion as well, me. Yeah, it's dedication. I, you know, so I said, every... Emily, I mean, let's let's make this happen. You know, we can just the start small and let's do early release Wednesdays only because there's only twelve. We can manage twelve. Yeah, because those are the days that. You Is know, this for middle schoolers too? Uh, right now, it's only K through five. Okay, we're okay. we're kind of just aiming for K through five right okay. now. Um, but hopefully, we can expand it to you know to more. So uh, we, yeah, we we rent the Sunset Fire Hall space and, you know, so she picks up from Sunset and Trillium. I pick up from Bolton and Willamette. Oh my goodness. And, um, you know, we have a business license to do this for West Lynn. If this gets any bigger, we definitely have to get a state license. (laughs) Right. So like, do you pick up like as an van? Like a yeah, minivan. So basically, um, the so. the moms, so the families that are part of the program, some know us personally, some know us through you know sure. social media, right? And so it's just like, hey, tell you know, send a note with your kids that Luann, Luann Lee will be coming to pick up. <laughs> okay, yeah. On okay. on that particular day, right? You know, so it's just like a friend pickup kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. So it's still small. We have about two dozen. Well, not quite do two dozen, so a dozen and a half. How about that? Yeah, wow, but yeah. it's a good that's a good size though. Because right now, we probably we'd love to kind of we're at 18 students, okay? Yeah, and so we have drop in rates as well, okay? So we, we're you know consistent with campfire or whatever the after school program is, um, maybe a little bit cheaper, and and then just providing that extended day learning. So we have <laughs> you'll laugh at this. So what? I used to be in the circus. I knew this. Yeah. I mean, you're an acrobat, right? So acrobatic. 
person. I yeah. No, I can walk on my hands around your house. And, yes. And I ride the unicycle and do stilts and balance and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. What time period was that? Part? I was ten. Okay, so you were ten. Okay, so somewhere in there you were I, in the circus. Somewhere in there, I came home one day and said, "Dad, I want to try out for the join the circus." That is classic. Classic Louis. Usually they're a little older, but you were ten. It so. was a youth circus. We performed for like the halftime Blazers game, and oh, you know, how fun is that? Um, it was just one of the my best childhood memories. And so to That's be able so to cool. like share that piece, you know, you got the language, you got everything else, the swimming and the you know stuff like that. So I'm teaching um, balancing, intro to unicycling, Ooh. on early release Wednesdays, and so I have like a almost like a um, obstacle course type kind of stations that the kids get to try each station that I okay. set up. Yeah, and then so that's like the high intensity, and then we have homework time where we you know support the kids in reading and math, whatever they got to do, and then we have the language portion of it as well. So I teach Chinese, and Emily teaches Spanish. Wow, and it's just such a neat we have something special and you know our ultimate goal we'll see where it goes next year but um so if someone wants to join do do they how do they do that like do you have a website or do you have like a page or do they just hook you up go to your facebook page or um so if they want to just yeah so i have like luann's uh, luann's language world i have a facebook page that um, i post occasionally for just you know classes and stuff but that's mainly for chinese but that's how you can reach me is luann's language world or just on my facebook page luann learman as well just private message me okay i do post um right now on like the mom's community page or like westland community page got it i think i've seen I've yeah. seen it. I've seen it. So, you know, it's definitely hard to get the word out there when, you know, we're trying to get our flyer approved by the district to be able to post at schools. Yeah. That's something because it's um, it's not it's not a nonprofit. It's like if it was a library event, that'd be okay. Right. So still so, because we're charging oh, some money right. for it. So it, it's it's a different type of approval. Sure. So we're still in the process of getting that approved. Um, but yes, yeah, just kind of. at this kinda, point, you still can be a part of it. You can you still be to. a part of it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because we still, I mean, we're just beginning of the school year. And uh, yeah, we'll make it work with, you know, like we'll talk about, you know, what pickup looks like for your child on those, you know, because it's like once a month, twice a month. Right. It's not like, you know, but it's an, an awesome 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. So yeah, parent, that's a yeah. long time. Yeah, it Tw- is. So they pick up at 6? Before 6. So anytime before 6. So some families pick up at 5 because at 5 o'clock we tend to wind down. The kids, so some families start picking up around five, wow. and so we do like board game stations. You must be exhausted after that. Oh yeah, I do a whole Thursday recovery. Yeah, I'm gonna say I hope you, there's some self care involved in that. Oh totally, I'm My like goodness. I need to just uh... chillax, <laughs> just do nothing. Well, at least till two, and you need to go pick up the kids, right? So no, it's it's it is a, a a lot for for that, but as our program grows and we you know we've hired some more help and yeah, um, yeah, and. I'm just, I'm just really excited that God has given me so much light, Yeah, you know, in this season of my life. Sure. You know, that's, that I can use my gifts and my talents for good. Well, <laughs> yes, that is an understatement, I believe, because I think that there's a lot in Luann that is just, is just going to keep going bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, you're just at the start, I think, of all of this. Well, and it's been building up, but you know what I mean? Like when yeah. you've really let go of things and that cloud is gone, my God, Luann, you're just like, 
Wow. You're, I, I just love talk. I've, I've really enjoyed talking to you. I, I can see just like more openness, I guess. I mean, I thought you were open before, but like now it's even more like, I just, I'm like, wow, like, man, you're just like a little sparkling treasure, you know? And, um, thank you. yeah. And, you know, being able to share your, your story with people like this and being vulnerable. I mean, I, you walked in here today and I had no idea what we were going to talk about. And then to sit down and talk through what you've been through and where you're headed. I mean, you're, you're in a clear path, which is really cool. Yeah. It's, it's very, I felt like this whole, this weight has been lifted off of me. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there's, there's chains I still need to break for sure. We all do have know? that too. Yeah. In different areas. Yeah. You know, that's why, I, I mean, the part of me loves working out and listening to some like really inspirational music. Like, you know, um, you know, I, I do enjoy more Christian music these days. Um, not necessarily like Christian radio. I think it's a little cheesy sometimes, but mm. I, you know, go on YouTube and find like, um, one of my favorite uh, singers right now is Lauren Daigle. I've heard of her. And there's this one song that just gave me goosebumps. I mean, she's got a lot of great music, but this one song that recently just came out was called Rescue. Okay. That's your song? That's your seasonal song? Yeah. And okay. it's a, it's a hard song to listen to, especially if you know my story, but it's about, you know, we whisper these cries underneath our breath to God breath you know these cries of desperation like help me Jesus you know I don't know what to do and God hears our cry and God will rescue us and we are not forgotten and so there's a lot of hope you know in 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 this music and this because you want to surround yourself with with those things you know if you're surrounding yourself with people that are putting you down or like you know just like negative stuff like it's just gonna pull you down your your association is so important so I try to surround myself with um with women who you know are godly Mm -hmm. women who are um they want more in life you know they 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 because I think there's a lot inside of each, each of one of us and each of us has a, such a a story, you know, and don't compare your stories. That's the one thing is don't compare your story to mine or anybody else's. Mm-hmm. Your story is unique in itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for women to understand and men too, but especially women, because we tend to compare ourselves a lot. Right. You know, I said, your story is unique to you, you know, and so um, don't be afraid to to, sh- to be you, to share yeah. your story and your strengths and your weaknesses because you never know who that's going to impact and, and help. Yeah, and yeah. you being here today definitely is probably going to open some eyes and has my own. So mm. thank you so, so, so much for coming here today. Well, thank you, Tiffany. I was a little nervous. I know. <laughs> and look at us. We did it. We did it. Yay. Yay. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening and have a great week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to This Topical Life with Tiffany Murphy. Available through Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. Look for us on Instagram and Facebook. Donations to help support This Topical Life can be made through Patreon at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Front slash this topical life likes and comments are always appreciated and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode we'll see you next time for more real conversation
Real exploration. Real life stories. Because life ain't a vacation.